Well, thank you so much for your welcome. Thank you, Carl and Nigel and everybody. Um, it's really great to be here. Um, I guess if you'd invited me to travel down, that might have been hard to fit into the diary, but it's not so difficult to do this. So this is one of the blessings of lockdown. So thank you for that. And thank you for the opportunity to share. That's really good. I was thinking this morning, if I could be anywhere in the southwest today, where would that be? And uh, there are there are a number of contenders, I have to say, and lots of uh, places and churches um, are close to my heart in the southwest. But I think I decided that actually where I'd like to be is Westwood Hoe, because I've been walking the southwest coastal path, and Westwood Hoe Baptist Church is as far as I've got. So um, I think I'd be there doing the next uh, the next chunk if I could today. Well, Carl asked me to share, and um, during this pandemic, I've been reflecting on a number of passages. There's a kind of a handful of passages that have kept on my heart. But what I want to go back to this morning uh, is a passage that's been on my heart ever since um, I've been General Secretary, and that is from Isaiah 43. And I basically want to explore three things. Um, firstly, what has been. Secondly, what is now. And thirdly, about making space for what will be. Okay, so that kind of gives you a, a brief idea of where we're headed here. So what has been? Isaiah 43 starts off, doesn't it, with those um, words I'm sure are familiar to all of us. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. And of course, the amazing thing about this passage is that um, this was God speaking to his people during captivity. They were uh, in Babylon they were exiled in that sense, um, and he, God brings them a message of hope for the future and, and prepares them for what's coming. And that hope is a message of salvation and it's a message of deliverance. And I've thought a lot over the years about what it must have been like to hear that news. And maybe we are beginning to experience some of those feelings as well now, because I'm sure it evoked mixed feelings, didn't it? You know, when God comes to you and says, I'm going to go do a new thing, there's excitement, isn't there? Lots of, yes, we want a, we want a new thing. And uh, we want to say to God, yes, bring it on. But I think one thing I've realised is, to a greater or lesser extent, most of us probably want God to bring the new thing on in principle. <laughs> and uh, when it comes to reality, it's not always the same thing. Because there's also an aspect of apprehension, and I think God's people at this time must have felt a sense of apprehension, because they were being caught, you know, they desperately wanted to go back to the promised land and to be where God wanted them to be, but that would mean leaving their comfort zone. That would mean leaving their space of familiarity or their familiar ways. They had been in Babylon for so long many, some of them would have been born there, would never have known anything different, only ever heard the stories of where they were in the past. And I'm sure many of them had become conditioned to live within the confines of uh, life in Babylon. Uh, they, they'd been shaped by it and it had been part of that. So, so there was a the call to the future was exciting, but it was also a call to step outside of the comfort zones. And as we've been in this pandemic, it, it struck me as well about the simplicity of life in Babylon. Um, they were told what to do. It was straightforward. And uh, we found that, didn't we, at the beginning of lockdown, when it was just all shut and stay at home, do nothing. <laughs> life was simple. We didn't have many decisions to make. There's no decisions. It's all straightforward and clear. And there is a kind of a security in being told what to do, isn't there? And for life to be quite constrained. Um, and actually, the new is much more open 
and not quite as simple and straightforward. And of course, there's other factors affecting how we feel about the prospect of something new. You know, our personality type, some people love it and some people don't like change. And there's a life stage ministry thing, isn't there? I remember when I first um, started work in my early 20s, um, you know, we would start to go through various reorganisations and I was always like, oh, this is really exciting. How good, how creative. And uh, other older colleagues were a bit like, oh, not again. And I can identify with that now. I'm a bit older. And it sometimes feels like that, isn't it? It's like I, I'm, I've been around the block a few times and I'm not sure what this new thing, is it really going to be new? What's it made up to be? So God's promise of a new thing brings lots of mixed feelings, doesn't it? But what does scripture say? Scripture says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Now, is that because they don't matter? No, I think the word is quite interesting here, don't dwell. Um, and that sense of kind of inappropriately focus on it, uh, be obsessed with it, or kind of um, nostal overly nostalgic about it. And I think the thing I think God may be wanting to say to you out of this here as well, and this has come quite strongly to me, this need to let go, the need to empty your hands and your heart in order to make space to something else. <clears throat> of course, we're thankful for all that God has done in the past, for all the amazing things that have happened, all the brilliant things that have done. We want to celebrate those. And there are so many precious things. But that doesn't mean to say that that's what's coming up. And so this sense of letting go, of opening our hands and opening our hearts to be ready for something new, to make space for something new to come. And I think the other thing I want to say at this is that if we look back over our lives, God doesn't often do things in the same way. He doesn't keep doing the same stuff over and over again, does he? It's the same God, but he works in different ways. And so actually that same God that brought them out of Egypt, that did all these other things, blah, 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 fed them in the wilderness, blah, 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 who's been faithful in the past, he's still going to be faithful, but he's going to be faithful in new and different ways. So we need to fix our eyes on the God who is faithful and not be looking for the things that he used to do and expecting him to do those things exactly the same way today. So as we're thinking about what has been, we need to be willing to say goodbye. And I've got this quote from a book by Ruth Haley Barton. It's her book, Solitude and Silence, which I've just read. She said, we need to be willing to say goodbye to life as we have known it, um, because we long for something more. So we long for something more. And that means we have to leave something behind in order to make space for the new. Empty your hands. I wonder if we can just have a minute quiet just for a moment silent reflection to say yeah are we are we willing to say goodbye to, to the past and to open our hands and our hearts to empty our hands to make room for God let's just be quiet in God's presence in the quietness I just have a picture of a whole flock of tiny birds and uh, they they take off and they whirl around. And it's like all the good things from the past and that God has done in the past and that he's involved us in. They're flying. They have flown. They are flying uh, in God's kingdom. But actually, as they fly, they leave the ground clear uh, for, for the new thing that God is doing. 
Lord, continue to speak to us and show us. Help us to let go, to be honest about how we feel about that, but to make space, empty our hands and our hearts to make space for what you want to do. Amen. So the second thing I wanted to reflect on is, is what is now? <laughs> it's kind of like, like the current moment, isn't it? Isaiah 43 talks about hope and promise, and he brings hope and promise, and it doesn't happen just like that, does it? They don't get the word one day, and it's all off the next. There's a time of waiting for, for the prophetic word, the promise of God, to come uh, into reality. And um, after we had sort of the, the first few weeks of sort of lockdown, when it came to Easter, I remember I had a little bit of time off after Easter and I was really waiting and praying and it was very intense those first weeks, wasn't it? I was absolutely shattered. I'm sure you were too. And I was praying and sort of saying to God, well, what, what's next? You know, sort of what we've got to do next? What's the next phase going to look like? It, it, it felt like we'd been through this intense period. And I had a very real sense that God just said, wait, it's, it's about waiting. Now, of course, we don't really like to wait sometimes, do we? But the call from God was very clearly to wait and to trust. And I had to keep telling myself not to let the inner voices about productivity and activity and drivenness <laughs> kind of get the upper hand, but actually to keep focusing on God and to be waiting. Psalm 103 says, I will wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. So there's a time of waiting, isn't there, between God's promises and their fulfilment. So what is now? Even in these last couple of weeks, I've been thinking a bit and thinking that um, what struck me is that we're thinking about this time now as something to be got through. You know, there was that and there's this and there's a bit in the middle we've got to get through. <laughs> and um, I'm wondering whether that is actually what now is about. It's not something to be got through. Um, we need to see differently. And I think God maybe is calling us to, be, to dwell in the present moment, to dwell in what is, not see it as just something, because sometimes, you know, something to be got through is a kind of a short-term thing, isn't it? You know, I remember when we had our kitchen redone um, years and years ago, I remember coming home from work one day. It was at the stage when they gutted the old kitchen and taken it out, and I remember just thinking, I just think I was pregnant. And it was, it was January, and it was cold in the house. I remember thinking, like, why have we done this? It's just awful. You know, you're washing up in the bath and all that. But, of course, it's only for a week or two, isn't it? And then you're just going to get through it, and then it's going to be fine. We'll all be back to normal, and it might be better. But actually, this is a longer sense than just got to get through the next couple of weeks. Um, we need to dwell in the present moment and find out what God's doing now in this present moment, rather than just thinking, how can we get through this as, as quickly as possible? And we need to, therefore, I think, perceive uh, what the nature of the present moment is. And uh, I've got another quote. It's from another book by Ruth Haley Barton. You'll see that... Um, She's become, a, I, I really love her stuff, but this one's strengthening the soul of your leadership. But this is such a great quote. Let me put my reading glasses on. She talks about um, the waiting place, which is a liminal place. She said, uh, the liminal place, the place of waiting is a unique spiritual position where human beings hate to be. 
but the biblical God is always leading them. It is when you have left the tried and true, but have not yet been able to replace it with anything else. It is when you are finally out of the way. It is when you are between your old comfort zone and any possible new answer. If you are not trained in how to hold anxiety, how to live with ambiguity, how to trust and wait, you will run anything to flee this terrible cloud of unknowing. In solitude, we learn to wait on God for our own life, so that when our leadership brings us to the place where the only option for us as a people is to wait on God, we believe it all the way down to the bottom of our being. Because we have met God in the waiting place, rather than running away or giving in to panic or deceiving ourselves into thinking things are better than they are, we are able to stand firm and believe God in a way that makes it possible for others to follow suit. It is a sobering thing to ask ourselves this question. Have I learned enough about how to wait on God in my own life to be able to call others to wait when that is what's truly needed? Have I done enough spiritual journeying to lead people on this part of their journey? Well, that is very challenging and profound, I think. In the in-between place, and I think we are in an in-between place, and it's not going to be like a few days and it'll all be over. We're in an in-between place. The old has gone and the new has not yet come. And we're not going back to the old. <laughs> so what's God showing us and saying us? Well, I think, interestingly, lots of our kind of distractions have been stripped away. And God has been able to get a word in edgeways. He certainly has in my life. I hope in yours, life too. And I think there's two main things I see coming out here. The first um, is what I would call the visceral heart cry of those who feel excluded and oppressed. But actually, when we've stopped our manic busyness, what's come out is, is this real heart cry. And it might be something that I don't understand. But I hear it and I see it, um, the pain, um, the heart cry of those who feel excluded and oppressed. But I think the other thing that I'm seeing and sensing that God is showing us and putting the spotlight on is our need to be church and to be in relationship. Now, loads of people are talking about this and others have said it much better than I do. So this is the edited highlights. Um, you can see it in other ways. But these are some of the things I think that God is saying. Um, it, it's like a shifted emphasis and when I say that I'm not saying dump this, do that I'm saying a kind of like more of a focus on this there's still some useful stuff in that just, just so I'm saying a change of emphasis so I think God is calling us to shift our emphasis and here are some of the ways from buildings to front lines from doing church to being church from church survival, how is my church going to keep going, to kingdom flourishing. From programs to relationships. Dare I say this, from being spoon-fed to discipleship. From physical gathering to authentic community. And this is, I thought this is morning, isn't it? We've all, well, I never have done, I don't think, but you've had these bracelets, haven't we? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? How interesting is that, isn't it? I wonder whether we should get some new bracelets made that says, who would Jesus be? So, doing to being. So anyway, you heard it here, folks. 
first friends. Um, interesting, my friends from Romania are very uh, interesting. They were saying um, we've spent all our time thinking, oh, the Lord help us to get outside the church. <laughs> now God's closed the church and they're having to do their work there, doing their worship services outside. And they reflected on how God has answered their prayer. Again, not in a way that they have fully anticipated. They're outside their buildings, they're in their communities. But a question I just want to just lob in here, and I'm not going to ponder it, I will leave you to ponder this one, is how much of our identity and security is bound up in the former things? That is a very telling question. And I'm looking around at some of our pastors and leaders, and I'm thinking about myself and saying, how much of standing up to preach in front of a crowd, how much in terms of programmes, how much of those things am I invested in? And actually there's part of me that doesn't want it to change because that's about, that makes me feel good. These are really, really, like God's really getting in here with the questions. Uh, what's God saying? And what's about us? And what's about what God's doing? So thinking about what is now god's call to us now is to change our thinking and see differently dwell in the present moment to watch and to wait and to trust that our faith for god is at work and to lead others in that too we need to find it as leaders in order to be able to lead others uh through that too and as i i kind of when i wrote this i thought yeah yeah but there was a little tiny bit i put on the bottom of my notes which was about it's important to do this together but I've just sensed um, in the last couple of days that God wants me to put a bit of a highlight on that. Sorry, I can see the clock going around. There's something about being on this journey together to love, to encourage, to support, to challenge each other and maybe even carry each other. And what I've been thinking is, can, can we actually imagine what it would be actually like to leave somewhere and to move on to something new? Yeah, literally lock, stock and barrel like they did in the Exodus. Um now, some of you are thinking, great, I'm happy, leave it all behind and off I go. Others of us would really struggle with that. Oh, I'm too old to do this. I don't want to do that. I really like it. I'm very comfortable. And, you know, some of us are going to struggle with that actual journey. But you know what? We don't want to leave anyone behind. We don't want to leave anyone behind. But in order to journey into the future, what we've got to realise is the journey into the future belongs to the young and the strong. So if you're a bit of an old crock like me, I'm in my 50s now, you know, I'm going to need to be carried. I remember doing part of the southwest coastal path walk near Beulah. I remember I did with my son and my eldest daughter. And it was the first time, actually, my son's in his 20s. He, he was like, oh, mummy, you all right? And he was helping me and just making sure I was okay over the rocks. And things. I was a bit like, what? <laughs> this is a bit of a change. But that, that I now am helped by my children. And we, if we're older... And if we're weary and if we think we can't make the journey, we have got to be willing to be carried, to be helped and to enable the young and the strong to take us forward. Um, so, yeah, I, I, there's a grace in that, isn't there? There's a grace that says, do you know what? These young, enthusiastic things, they're, they're going to they're carry us on this journey. And we need to be carried in as gracious way possible, not making a fuss and saying ah, and whinging and moaning, but, but, but being carried and helped in as gracious way as we can. Um, yeah, so I just felt God was wanting to say that to us. So anyway, a little digression. Prophetic, I hope. So the last bit is 
about making space for what will be um, really excited about this book place. Wake up if you've gone to sleep. So the passage says, um, no, no, no. So I've been, one of the things I've really been think about in these things, and I've always thought I was a rubbish leader because I can never see the future and all that kind of stuff. But the question is this, isn't it? How do you, how do you get to the new thing when you don't know what it is? How do you journey towards a new thing when you don't know what it is? You know, God's not giving us a postcode. <laughs> you know, off you go. Um, but in the passage it says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not see that I am making a way? And the eyes in that passage have always been really uh, profound for me. It's God that's doing it. It's not us that's doing it per se. It's God that's doing it. I am making a way. When I had my induction as general secretary, someone gave me a picture. It was a picture of a ship in full sails, like an old-fashioned ship, and um, said to me, set the sails to catch the wind of the spirit. And uh, I pondered that word, and it's a wonderful word. And uh, my, when I first thought about it, I thought, ah, that word is about organisational alignment. If you know anything about Baptists Together, you'll know there are 60 squillion million different separate charitable organisations. And actually, like all the different sails on a ship, if we can get all the things lined up, uh, organisational alignment, they, then we'll, we'll fly. But seven years in, yeah, there we go. That's an interesting thought. I think that the spirit can bring that about. And then I sort of thought, well, maybe it's about deciding where you're going and then setting course to get there. We're going to America. We'll set ourselves in order to take us there. But neither of those things felt very satisfactory. A couple of years ago, I was at the Fresh Streams conference, and um, in the worship one morning, I had an absolutely overwhelming sense that God had something bigger for us than we could even get our heads around. I, I remember I was quite, I felt quite emotional. It was a, a quite a physical feeling. It wasn't just a thought. It was a, a real sense of being overwhelmed that what God had for us was more than we could imagine, more than we could get our heads around. And again, that just brings us down to exactly the issue. How do you set course when you cannot imagine where you are going? And I'm trying to think of an illustration of this, but I suppose it's a bit like telling a Victorian that you need to get online with the Internet. They, they can't imagine that. It, it's kind of completely beyond where they are. And, and I've been, so I've been sort of grappling that. How do you go to a place when you don't know where you're going? I was um, on retreat at the end of last year, and uh, you'll be glad to know I had a moment of clarity. It's funny how God does these things sometimes. Um, when you can't imagine where you're going, you have to be content to trust and to follow the one who does know, I am doing a new thing. And stop getting in the way yourself. Stop trying to do it yourself. Stop trying to work it out yourself. But actually, to attend to God and to go with God. And I've had this wonderful image of this, which I have talked about earlier in this year, about the need to unfurl our sails going back to that image of the ship, and to set our sails, not to the way it plays we want to go or to something we can imagine, but just simply to set our sails to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit. Because if we set our sails to catch the wind of the Spirit, then we will be taken wherever God wants us to go. Do you see the difference? That is just so, oh, even saying it now, I feel very um, moved by that. If we set our sails to catch the wind of the Spirit, God will take us where we need to go. And bit by bit, we will be taken on a journey beyond our imagination 
into the fullness of what God has for us and the whole of creation. We're going to venture, that's a really lovely word, venture in the spirit, not knowing where the outcome is, but trusting that if we're going with God, God's taking us where we need to be. And so that has been my prayer, really, since that retreat. Thanking God that he has said that as we set ourselves to catch the wind of the spirit, and I believe, I'm not going to tell you all this, but I believe that he said, he asked me what did I want, that he would do whatever I want him to do for me. And that was my prayer, that was my ask. If we could set ourselves to catch the wind of the spirit as a movement, that would be an amazing thing. So I'm trusting that God has promised that he will enable us to do that. And standing in the spiritual authority that I have been given, I have been praying, come Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And I open my life and I open the life of our churches and our associations and our colleges. And I say, Lord, you are welcome here. Come Holy Spirit. We're opening our sails as full as we possibly can. And we are waiting for you and we will go with you wherever you take us. We will venture with you for the sake of your kingdom. So three things there. Be willing to say goodbye and empty your hands. Wait attentively to the Lord and be church and set your sails to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit.